Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Hollow Hollow podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. It's our main episode, and today's topic is the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the end of Phase 4 and multiple truths. But before we get into all of that, Sigs, let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? Hi, how are you? I'm just getting over being sick. My kids are sick. Mac had an ear infection. My poor wife was supposed to get to Connecticut, but she was sick, so she ended up going halfway. Then she turned home, and then Delaney had a sore throat. So the family, a little sick sick negative covid thank god so good, good. the normal flu season has started and yeah. i hope that you are healthy and, and misha is as same, well same. i stumbled upon something on amazon prime streaming right. called high school That's and high school it is based on the life of the artists tegan and sarah oh i've heard so about tegan this. and sarah yes, are yes. The musicians out, yep. like from the duo, they're fantastic. And what's funny is they have this like eight episode series right. about them growing up in high school and finding music. Hmm. Based in Calgary, just watching it, and Kobe Smulders plays their mother. Oh, cool. And their step, like their father person is Kyle Bornheimer. And I want to say the other guy's name, I can't think of it right now, but it plays like. Degrassi. Wow. You would enjoy it. Like, they're just trying to figure themselves out, their love lives, and establish themselves as teens, and you see how they find music. That's really cool. It's very interesting. And they're twins, but they're, I guess they're navigating their friendships and their close relationships with with their partners and them finding love and all in teen. And the whole background is all 90s music. It is grunge era. I don't know if Mary Beth would watch this. It was very 90s, like Elastica and then Tegan and Sarah being on the soundtrack themselves. But it was a little fine because I was like, high school, what's this about? And then it's so Degrassi. Like, I love it. It's, it's so, so grassy. Oh my goodness. It's so clean. And I have to say, statistically, female driven. Mm. Like you see some male characters, but really it's, uh, I mean, it's obviously about Tegan and Sarah and their life. Yeah. So, you know, the bachelor test is like, it's, it's about them and just navigating growing up in this little town, well, not town, like a city or suburb in right. Calgary. But very interesting. It's just something like, oh, I never knew this was being made. I heard about it. I heard like, about it They too. were looking yeah. for the actors to now, play Tegan it, and Sarah, but it's, it's quite wonderful. Is it semi- autobiographical or is it truly autobiographical? I'm thinking it is. Like it's based on the autobiographical book High School by both the artist Tegan Tegan and Sarah. Sarah. Oh, amazing. That's so cool. It's so interesting. I guess, you know, they cast two teens to play them, twins, and I didn't know how they grew up. I didn't know whether or not they fell into music like because they played when they were younger and they played piano, but they ended up starting to put their feelings down into thought and to create music and they, you know, they were working to save up for a guitar and then they had a show and it just builds up, but it's so Canadiana. I loved it, right? Well, like that was the, the other question that I was going to ask yeah. you was, does it read as Canadian or can it like stand apart in the pop culture landscape? 
I like its story. I think stories are out there about high school, and mm. I think Degrassi ran so this show could walk, right? So yeah. you can have this. And this is, it's so indie-like because these are two artists that are just these great musicians, and how did they evolve, and how did they come to be? But for them to, like, have some amazing, like, Kobe Smulders yeah. to play at their mom. That's amazing. This, this woman that works for, that's going to school and working on a crisis line and just navigating being a mom. It's quite interesting. I, th- I think you should put it in your queue. I'll have to put it in my queue for sure. The other thing I've been talking about, I talked about it last season, Abbott Elementary season two is fantastic. You need to watch it. It's won Emmys for a reason. It's come back big time. And we haven't had shows where they, for their second season, it is 22 episodes, like a full out old school ABC sitcom. They're filming 22 episodes. Wow. That's a, that's a full set of episodes that we haven't seen since the early 2000s, right? Exactly. And, you know, the joke they made at the Emmys with Mindy Kaling and BJ Novak announcing, you know, the writers, they're like, you guys are just lazy sons of bitches. You do nine (laughs) episodes in Italy. They're like, we're talking to you, Mike White, White Lotus bullshit. (gasps) They're like, come on, you're just lazy people. They're like, we did 22. For the office. Wow. Very hard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. it's just refreshing. And for it to be on ABC, like Quinta Brunson is amazing. Shirley Ralph, I mean, she won her Emmy. This woman who we watched from like Living Single, mm. not Living Single, what was it? It's a Living, where she played a waitress in the 80s. I remember watching that sitcom in the afternoon as a kid. And it's amazing. It's so funny. It has the heart of like Parks and Recreation that, you know, it, it's, it's wonderful. So I hope you get to watch it. I need to get a good sitcom what? into my queue. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All the first season all is all on Disney Plus, so you and Misha could make it dinner watching for sure. Yes, I think we might have to, yeah. What have you been into pop culture wise? Mm, three things. Okay. Survivor forty three, below deck adventure. You are and the hardcore. Mole. Survivor, you've always been it. I have so, to tell oh. you, Sigs, I feel like I'm in caught okay. in reality heaven or something like that right now. But yeah, I haven't watched Survivor in over thirty seasons, believe it or not. I think I left at around about oh, season no way. ten or eleven. And I think part of it had to do with the fact that I've been watching it and had seen different versions of the game. And I thought to myself, okay, it's not going to change that much in terms Uh of strategy. Either you're going to lie your way through or you're going to blindside people and all of that stuff. And then there got to be a point where in one of the Survivor seasons, there was only so much that they could actually do in terms of drama because they were just picking Mm -hmm. off a weak team person by person by person. So it was just like it wasn't really Mm -hmm. thrilling to watch. And I think that that's when I had kind of thought, okay, it's jumped the shark. But I was reading up, you know, in some of my entertainment websites and magazines that I still subscribe to, and they were just saying, oh, it's a new survivor. Okay. And all the game mechanics, or there have been additional game mechanics that have played. So I guess five or six seasons ago, they started introducing, like, beware advantages and hidden immunities Uh and people going on adventures and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, okay, these are just really gimmicky. But then what I realized is, is that they actually profoundly change the game and make it more even that more difficult. And so oh, yeah? started yeah, it actually has made the game a little bit more difficult, which means it demands more strategies. And so that's kind of what I've been watching and it's actually been quite thrilling to see like okay, you're going to a tribal council, but who knows who has what hidden immunity idol and who has what advantage that could be played at any t- one time at tribal council. And I just mm. thought to myself 
oh, this has gotten really complicated, but I kind of think you kind of needed to. So of course, right? no wonder it's still around. Yeah. And so they've really just kind of upped their ante in a lot of ways. So it's made me want to like, after this season finishes, see if I can catch up on Survivor 42 and 41 and 40 and 39 <laughs> at this point, especially since the last couple were, at least one of them was won by a Filipino Canadian, right? In the GTA. Oh, that's right. You know, so. GTA? Didn't she go to Western? I can't remember now. I, want to feel, I feel like she, yeah, I don't that's know. Awesome. We'll have to kind of like do a lot of research. Recon that, yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been also into pop culture-wise. And I feel like I'm back in the late 90s and 2000s because Netflix has recently (laughs) acquired and rebooted The Mole. So they've got... That's crazy. Yeah, that's right. Instead of Anderson Cooper, they've got Alex Wagner now. And so now it's a really updated, sleek version of the mole and they've incorporated technology. So instead of like Anderson Cooper kind of typing at a desktop computer people's names, (laughs) they've got this kind of laptop or Windows tablet and everyone gets the results on their phone and they either get a green screen or a red screen and if it's a red screen then obviously they scored lowest on the quiz and they gotta go and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's been interesting to watch. The only thing that I will say is, is, is that I wish the players actually got more money. So I know in the end... How much do they get? Well, in the end, the final pot was over 100000 And I just think to myself... Ooh, that's Ru- it? RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> is giving like the final winner or the person crowned America's Next Drag Superstar 250000 I think to myself, surely inflation and times from the early 2000s, <laughs> you would think that they would have it chance would go to up win a little more bit. money. Yeah, I yeah. Mean- yeah, Dan Levy's big brunch. They're giving 300000 to the winner. I mean, <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on, come on. Right? But either way, it's been fun to watch, interesting players, mm-hmm. and it's all taken place in Australia. So they've taken all these... I was going to ask where it was. That's right. And so it's all in Australia. It's been fascinating to watch. And it's actually been really beautiful for them to showcase Australia. So if anything, it's acted as a travelogue of sorts and makes me like, oh, one oh. day I got to go to Australia and check out all these different places that the mole went to. So it's been kind of fun watching that and just kind of like, oh, yeah, trying to figure out who the mole is and playing along with everybody else. I think what would be really cool, and I think they probably had something along the lines of being able to participate in real time, is try to kind of take the quiz alongside everybody else and and choose who the mole was. Yeah, that'd be kind of really cool. And then the last thing that I've been kind of watching pop culture wise is, again, another extension of the Below Deck franchise. But this time it's in Norway and they call it Below Deck Adventure. So as they go through the Norwegian fjords, Uh wherever they anchor, usually the excursions are going to a beach or eating on some rocky cliff in the Mediterranean. Here they actually go rappelling off into caves or oh, you, no way. yeah, or they do zip lining or they do all these different adventures. So it's been kind of fun to watch and it's been kind of fun to just watch the drama amongst the below deck adventure staff and seeing them all kind of fight with one another. And I think that the <laughs> appeal for me is it very much reminds me of you and I sig in living in residence and working in residence where you live and work with people 24 oh seven and realize that you're only being paid 10 cents an hour. Except these folk get like major tips after three days excursions and stuff like that. So it's been kind of fun to watch. And I don't know, there's something kind of intriguing about just watching these beautiful people try to serve and try to make these wonderful super yacht vacations happen. But I will say this about 
Below Deck. There was a time when yeah. the whole premise was watching the Below Deck crew try to meet the absurd requests of the guests that were coming on board. And then, uh-huh. you know, a couple of seasons in, they changed the storyline. It was more about will the Below Deck crew actually be able to manage the reasonable requests of its guests in a five-star, six-star, seven-star luxury-style manner? And so I kind of pine for the days when a guest would say, I'd like a foam party with all my guests on the top deck of this super yacht. Yeah, and then them having to find out how to figure out how to do that. Or we would like the top superstar of Malta to actually sing to us for our birthday. <laughs> so, so they don't they don't have those kind of outrageous requests anymore. It's just yeah. really watching the shenanigans of the below deck crew, but I'll still take it cuz it's still like beautiful yachts and beautiful scenery, but this time it's in the Norwegian fjords at this point instead fjords. of in the Caribbean so or the Mediterranean yeah. or down under for that matter. So that's what I've been kind of up to pop culture wise, doing a lot of deep diving into reality Ooh, television. Nice. From reality television Vision to Marvel Cinematic Universe. That is today's topic is the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4 because as Wakanda Forever has kind of come out and we'll be doing a taste test yeah. later on in our season on that particular movie, it really signals the end of this particular phase, which has been known as Phase 4. And I think, you know, Sigs, we've talked about it in the podcast various different phases. This is no different in the sense that it's time for us, I think, to start to debrief phase four. But I think before we do that, we really should review the previous phases, which ultimately Mm -hmm. the first three make up the Infinity Saga. And I think in our warm-up coming up, that'll drop later after this episode, we talk a little bit about this. But I think we need to kind of think about the different themes in each of these phases so that we truly understand phase four. Sigs, when I think about phase one, I really think that phase one is really about how a particular hero character experiences a life-changing experience that then leads to a call to an adventure. And I think the conclusion of phase one, of course, is finding others who are also called to the same cause and then eventually having a team up. I think to myself, that's what was really unique about this Marvel Cinematic Universe was instead of just seeing individual superheroes and wondering, will they ever kind of connect? We knew that they were building up towards this connection. And the major theme, I think, in this phase was really about there was some life-changing about whether it's having some type of existential crisis in the desert for Iron Man or an experiment (laughs) gone wrong for, For for the Hulk. Some life-changing experience that then says, hey, you need to be involved in adventure. So I don't know what you think about that, but that's certainly how I kind of think about phase. How do you think about phase one of the Marvel I agree with you. It's that intro of these things. Like, And little did we know in 2008 with this movie with Robert Downey Jr. I know, Robert Downey Jr., yeah. And when they talked about it, these phases at the beginning, it was very foreign to us because, you know, we'd had trilogies like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. And then all of a sudden, 2008, we're going to have this 
this actor come in about an Iron Man, then all of a sudden, you know, Marvel Comics is going to be something big. Not a daredevil of Ben Affleck or whatever. We're talking right. about uh, this resurgence. And you have those intros to these amazing characters from Iron Man, the Hulk, Thor, and Captain America to that major team up. 14 years ago, Jess was about to start. And, you know, and it ends with that big team, The Avengers, which was such a big movie in 2012, 10 years ago, for Pete's sakes. I identify with that. Yeah, that's them all coming together and very dynamic, life-changing experience of them. Okay, I have this new power. Now what? Now what? Where does this take us? Yeah, and where do we go? And Mm -hmm. I think when I think about my own phase one of my life and my own Mm -hmm. call to adventure, it was realizing that my superhero power is around being able to help others in their struggles. I know that that's what I do really well. And I had realized that my call to adventure was really trying to, if you will, fix or address the social injustice that goes on in our world. Once I figured out, it's like, I'm really good at helping others. It's like, well, what can I do Mm -hmm. with that? Oh, and then I felt called to do something about it. And in this case, it was to kind of really address the inequity that I saw in the world. And especially around racism, implicit bias, microaggressions, micro-invalidations, all of these things, trying to figure out, okay, how can I help people out-navigate that as well as address people in terms of how they put those types of bias and privilege and oppression in the world and having them take responsibility and helping them, making sure that they themselves are reasonable and seeing the compassion and the humanity and the dignity Mm -hmm. in others. When I think about phase one and I kind of relate it to my life, I think to myself, oh, like that's my superhero power was realizing, oh, I can help others and I'm good at it. And then I'm going to see if I can actually change the world in some way, shape, or form so that it's much more just on a social level. How about you, Six? Like, when did you, your phase one and culture adventure and a life-changing experience? Jeez, that's, it's so deep. But you know what? Like... I'll, look, I'll focus at the task at hand. I think my call to adventure was to you, right? Mm, so right, right. when I started having questions about social justice and stuff, I remember just idly talking to you. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask you a question. Or mm. what are your thoughts? And we talked about this on the podcast before. I was like, hey, Kuya, I noticed something. What are your thoughts? And I was very surprised to be like, oh, actually, for you to have an answer. Right. And then give me resources. Yeah. Like, like oh, that's very helpful. I didn't know this. Yeah, like, yeah. And I thought that was so intriguing to me. I still remember that time. It was just like in the early 2000s where we just happened to be out with each other. I'm like, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is weird. And I it noticed wasn't. this. And, and it like, wasn't oh, hey. weird, right? Not to you. And I just, the way that you responded, you were well, Ashley, Siggy, did you ever think about this? And I'm like, no, I, I never thought about it. Right. Right? Yeah, so, time and place of how you come into this country really depends, you know, and almost forms how you express your cultural background and your ethnicity and your cultural values. And then ironically enough, Sigs, you and I end up teaming up together to kind of create this podcast. So in some ways we've had an extended phase one of sorts. Exactly. Yeah, and we've it was done our just, own team up. But I just, I thought it was intriguing because I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like your points of view. And I, I think I, if I can apply it to that, I think I would apply it into my own hollow, hollow podcast phase, <laughs> yes, <laughs> phase one. Yes. Now, when I think about phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all these heroes get called to adventure and then eventually team up. 
But then there is some type of reluctance to the call of adventure. In other words, at what cost does the call to adventure become worthless? And I think in phase two, we saw that question kind of come up in the destruction mm-hmm. and the damage left in New York, in that grand battle of New York, as That's well right. as, is yeah. it Wachovia? Is that what they called it? Sokovia. Yeah, Sokovia in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. In Age of Ultron. And when you said the battle of New York, you're right. Like in Iron Man 2, or Iron Man 3, Tony Stark was dealing with the aftermath. Right. Mentally and physically, he couldn't use his power. He had to retreat and find space. You know, what's my worth? And going to like a small town. Yeah. But yeah. And then even like the dissolution of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And Captain right. America, Winter Soldier, you know, they were working for this great thing, S.H.I.E.L.D., but meanwhile, you know, there was double agents everywhere and there was a dissolution. Like, okay, this is not, whose side is everyone on? Like, yes. the, the, these main issues arise. Yeah. And so, and then the public dissent occurs in the background yes. in terms of like, well, who cares about these heroes? These heroes end up leaving a wake of destruction in the end. And that's a really good question. I used to watch all these superheroes even before the Marvel Cinematic Universe and see cities get destroyed. And I think to myself, but who cleans all of that up? And it was like interesting oh, exactly. Right? You know, yeah. that were being. Who cleans asked. up Spider Man's webs everywhere, bombs, yeah. everything? Yeah. <laughs> like they, Destruction. they don't just kind of disappear, or there isn't like a set of sanitation engineers that's taking care of it all <laughs> at the end. And yeah. In any event, I just thought, oh, these are interesting questions and people withdrawing and retreating and being reluctant to the call to adventure and thinking to themselves, is there a cost in what they're doing? And I think to myself, when I think about very much enjoy helping others, but there always Mm -hmm. gets to be a point where if I overhelp others, it could lead to my own burnout in a lot of ways. I kind of come back to that metaphor, you know, in the airline industry, uh, put the mask on yourself first before you start putting it on others around you or children or elderly need assistance in terms of putting on the mask. You've got to put on that mask again first, if not, and goes unchecked, it leads to burnout. And I think what I started to learn was, oh, I need to practice self-care And when I think about the heroes in phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think they started to have to realize our actions always have impact. And I think that that whole idea that we still have responsibility to the people around us in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. What about you, Sigs? Like, you, what is your phase two? You probably thought about it on the overlines. When we used to plan for the podcast, we would talk about po- topics. And even when you had broached a topic, like, say, hey, let's do this. And let's, you know, let's create this journey and ask those questions you wanted to ask about being Filipino-Canadian. I think it wasn't that I had reluctance. I'm like, we will talk about all these things. You're like, yes, like, we can talk about it. But I'm like, I guess people will hear it. You're like, yes, and that's okay, these are things for you to work out. And I think one of the first episodes we did, we talked about, I talked about, we talked about failure. Mm, Yes. And, you know, not meaning the demands or whatever. And I was like, this is going to be a little raw. And I mean, you can go back into, you know, season one, but you're like, no, we can do this and let's talk out your feelings. And, but it's so frustrating, but you're like, you also have to give yourself some time and, be good to yourself that, okay, that's okay. And this is something we talked about. And part of this journey that we're doing about putting out these messages and this journey on the podcast, you said, it's okay for us to ask questions and, you know, we're here for each other and it's okay to show that vulnerability because this is still a journey and you've been very open about it. And you're like, are you okay with these topics? Or do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do want to talk about this head on. And Siggy, you know, you're feeling they're okay to have. And I think there's validation. And there was a time actually during the podcast, you're like, 
you need to take a break. And we took a break. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the second year. And yeah. I was like, you're like, it's okay. We're doing this for fun and we can still do it. And we were able to return to it. And right. we had other people guest in or whatever. But it was that journey where you're very much like, be kind to yourself because we're sharing our stories and and it's okay. And this is all good. And we, we work through it. And that's what makes this podcast special to us and the message. And I, I appreciate that. I don't know if, uh, you know, from the past five years where you said, you know, let's take a beat. Let's talk about this topic. We're good with this. And this is what we want to share. And uh, you were always open to be like, what, what are your thoughts? And I, yeah. I greatly appreciate it. It was such those little moments where you're like, can I do anything? How about let's just take a break. We can do it. We're ahead yeah. of podcasting. Let's just take those moments. And even, I don't even know how we did it during pandemic. We're like, let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take we're, a break and re- doing it. reshuffle. I also think yeah. to myself that reluctance is not a bad thing. It just means to slow no. down, as you say, take a break, reassess, and figure out what we're not doing that we need to add in. And all of this, especially our podcast, is a journey and a process that we're unfolding. And sometimes what mm. we're presenting to the public is a finished product because it's something that you and I have both thought deeply about. And other times we have work product that we're actually sharing with our audience and then end up correcting ourselves in future seasons or in future episodes. But I don't think that there's any shame or we don't have to have shame or we don't have to have things so fully thought out as long as our intention is to figure out the truth. I think phase two or anybody's phase two is really learning about what do we need to add and what is this reluctance all about. After all, again, the reluctance is really more about a double check or an oversight on what we're doing. Because if we don't have that check on our superhero skills, on our ability to ask questions, we end up actually creating burnout or destruction or some type of negative impact. And I think that it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think about the next phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, phase three, After you've incorporated, in this case, oh, time to kind of check in or take rest and relaxation or practicing self-care, there's this return to adventure after the infighting and the learning, and then realizing that there's common cause and that the collective is more important than the individual. And I think, Sigs, you know that about me, right? Like, you know that I very much think about the community, the Philippine and X Canadian community. And, you know, when I look at where our listeners are downloading from, from the Philippines, Australia, Germany, different places in Africa, to our listeners, we see you out there. And I just think to myself, oh, we're now kind of having common cause with Filipinos in the diaspora. What is it that we have in common? Well, it is our cultural expression. And we recognize that our cultural expression would be different in different places. But yeah, it's realizing that we have a lot in common. You know, and so that's kind of what I think about phase three about. What about you? Tell us a little bit about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then about your well, own phase three. Phase three, yeah, the, the big common cause, right? It ended up with Endgame, everyone going against Thanos at the end. You had mm. way more additions, whether the infighting was Civil War against the Soviet Accords, and then you had the additions of Black Panther, right. Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, all of them uniting to fight a major enemy, Thanos, after wiping 50% of the population <laughs> yes. in a snap. In the snap. Those sure. remaining came together for the greater good and sacrifice in some cases right 2000 was it 2008 19 is when it yeah. ended right i think so yeah that's i think so right so it's crazy how all these people from different parts came in to fight the one 
the main cause, right? You you find much more unity if you're working against that one thing. And I Endgame was in 2019, right? Right. It's all that big culmination, and it was just so cathartic to see them fight for the greater good and get you know 50 percent of the population back after a snap after five years. Right. I like how you just compared that to us finding common like community across the boards across countries, whether it's London, England, from the game podcasting or other podcast Filipino Canadian podcasters and the community that we're building with our podcast. There's all these other Filipino Canadians and Filipinos that. Are listening to us and hearing us and hey that sounds familiar or identifying us and and tuning in like I, I find that sort of like that gathering all together right like it's interesting and you feel it and after so many years you like you realize oh wow there's so many more people that are out there listening and it's like you say when you throw in like the stones and hearing echoes down a well yeah you want to hear that reverb back you do you know last season after interviewing the wonderful folk of Filipinos of Montreal (laughs) and us driving to our hotel after our interview, (laughs) you were saying to me, these are our people. Even though they live in Montreal, these are our people. And, you know, and I just was thinking to myself, I was seeing you kind of have that sense of community and connectedness. And I kind of think that Mm -hmm. that's also part of your phase three as well as feeling really connected to other Filipinos. Even if they're not in the greater Ottawa area, you still feel connected to all of these folk. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. It's it's just fine, nice to find like those like minded people and yeah. have that energy and stuff from a common cause and just these people like we had we need to talk again. We need to yeah. do more and the network opening up for us to find yeah. other people, yeah. whether to guests or other listeners and stuff. Yeah. Now all of these phases come together to form what is eventually called the Infinity Saga which again is really centered on those infinity stones with each controlling a different aspect of the universe. And control of these infinity stones essentially can control the agenda of the universe, which ultimately leads to that battle that you were talking about with Thanos and the Snapture over the greater collective, which is not just only the Avengers, but I kind of call it the Avengers plus, plus, plus. And to me, (laughs) the saga highlights the importance of the collective. And I think you and I know exactly that. The collective is really important. It's not only just the community and feeling connected to the community, but the collective actually helps propel future communities. So we think about my nephews and nieces, mm-hmm. or I think about your children. Mm-hmm. They're going to be standing on the shoulders of the collective at the end of the day. And so all of these phases and all of our realizations in terms of a call to adventure and also knowing how to make sure that we sustain ourselves in that call to adventure and realizing that we have common cause with others, that we are also not only sustaining ourselves, but we're sustaining the future of what it means to be Filipino in the diaspora. And I'm sure that you agree with that idea too, which I think has kind of made us think think about where to take the Halo Halo podcast. Would you agree, Sig? Fully agree. I fully agree. That's a great way to sum that up. Yeah. And the other thing that I think about is also how do we organize our community? Because the Infinity Saga... (laughs) really was about kind of getting people to realize common cause and coming together. If anything, when I think about the Infinity Saga in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's like, how do we need to better organize ourselves? And so I don't know that I have an answer for that, Six, but I just think to myself, we need to 
start thinking about that. And who knows, maybe we've got a listener out there that has some ideas. So make sure you email us or send uh, us. Hollowpopculture at gmail.com. That's yeah. right. Or through our socials too as well. Yeah. So all of this has really been a huge preamble to phase four. Mm-hmm. And when I think about as we come up to Wakanda Forever and the Christmas specials that are coming up or the Christmas special coming up to end up this phase, I think mm-hmm. that the end of phase four is... Not only the ending of the Infinity Saga are really making sure that it's ended, it is kicked off by the end of the Infinity Saga, which reveals the identity of Spider-Man to the world. And then we're introduced to the beginning of the new saga and this whole new concept of the multiverse and all of the movies and event TV series that had launched this new saga not only introduced this concept, but also introduced a whole new set of heroes and a whole new set of second generation heroes. So we've got other people mm-hmm. taking on the mantle of our past heroes that were in the Infinity Saga and the earlier phases. So I think to myself, in terms of phase four and for myself, you know, and I mentioned this earlier, but really now being curious of Filipinos in the diaspora, especially those outside of North America. And I think to myself, there's a multiverse of Filipinos out there. You know, there's not only just, of course, Filipino Canadians, but what about those Filipinos in Germany? What about those Filipinos in England? And how is our culture expressed in those particular regions? And I've just gotten more and more curious. And I hope our podcast gets to elevate those people and we get to talk to individuals from those different areas around the world. Sigs, what about you? Like, What do you make of phase four in general? And then how does phase four oh, apply gosh. to your life? It just busts it open from mm, like, yes. I mean, there's like 17 pieces, right? 17 titles for phase four. And we started with so little and just it's expanded. As soon as you say the word multiverse, Anything can happen. We saw, like, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Like, from different versions of everything. And then, I mean, the wonderful three Spider-Mans, like, existing in this world, just expansive, right? And we don't even have to leave the confines of our house. Yes. We can watch it on Disney Plus and we can see that. It's it's just amazing. It's mind-boggling. And right now, as we talk Phase 4, Phase 5, Phase 6, which is going into, like, mid-2020s. Right. It's still planning and it's still evolving and it's still changing. There's more people. And, like, I mean, spoiler alert, your Joe Locke from Heartstopper is in <laughs> yes, Agatha, that's right. Coven of Chaos. Yes, yes, yes. And is probably playing young yeah. Wiccan, the Can't son wait to of see that. Wanda. Yeah. It's just currently evolving Aubrey Plaza's joining that and it's just a bigger world and I love how you just compared to you know we're just a drop of two just Filipino Canadian guys making a podcast yeah. but there's a bigger world and there's multiverse a huge out, world there. out there and we see those people we get our stats we know that there's someone like downloading us in the Philippines Australia or Guam Laos Mexico Peru like Argentina. Germany it's, it's so interesting Argentina like and there's still episodes that we used to like from our first season people are listening too. And it's not just the SP19 ones. It's other ones where I'm like, oh, someone wanted to listen to that one? Okay, great. I don't know who it is, but I'm it glad you're amazing. enjoying it. It is amazing. And I'm and, glad that we're touching people, yeah. right, in those different places of the world. You know, and in as much as there's different Filipinos in the diaspora, we're all not just located in one or two different regions. This whole idea of Phase 4 in the multiverse saga brings to mind the idea that there's a multiplicity of truths and a multiplicity of expressions, you know, of the same mm-hmm. concept 
concept or of the same person and multiple universe and possibilities that can exist. Just as much mm-hmm. as we've been saying that Filipinos in the diaspora aren't monolithic, it is really true. Like as we start to talk to more and more different Filipinos from Texas and Rhode Island and the UK and wherever, and I just think my brain just explodes. And again, depending on where you might be in the diaspora, how we express ourselves and emphasize different parts of our cultural makeup more than in other regions. And you've heard me talk about this, that, you know, Filipinos in Winnipeg, they've had to rely on our chaga and our entrepreneurship (laughs) so as to navigate that that particular region of the world or that sense of collectivity or Bayanian spirit in our fellow Filipinos in Montreal, for example, and how they had emphasized that so that they could survive and make a growing and thriving community in Cote de Neige. And I think for us, that emphasis on one part of our cultural makeup helps navigate different parts of the diaspora is something that I've been starting to get really curious about. And it makes me think, oh, if you live in this region of the world, what singular cultural part of our makeup did you highlight and emphasize so that it helps you, mm-hmm. again, navigate that different distinct part of the diaspora? I think sometimes mm-hmm. what is sometimes difficult with understanding multiple truths and different expressions of Filipino identity is that we want to believe that our own truth is the only truth. And I think if anything, yeah. I've learned that isn't true. It challenges this idea or binary thinking of being right and wrong. And I know you and I, Six, uh-huh. we've run into some Filipinx, oh, Filipino folk that yeah. it's like, this is the only way to be Filipino. And as I always say, you know, so long as you take an interest in the culture and speak some words of the culture, you don't have to be fluent. You just have to maybe know and understand a few words of the culture Mm-hmm. and somehow perpetuate the culture, those three things are enough. So again, if you love to say mabuhay when you drink and you listen to SB19 and tell everybody about that and eat Filipino <laughs> food and your lumpia, that is enough to make you Filipino as opposed to being told that you're not Filipino enough. Kuya, I really like that you're bringing this up. I like the words that you just said and I, I'm sure there's listeners out there listening and I, I'm harking to a time, I have a, a lovely friend named Nicole who I grew up with, went to high school with and her mom is Filipino, her father is Swiss and I remember her saying, I'm like, oh, does your mom make food? And she just said, or we're talking about Tagalog. She's like, I don't know much Tagalog. I know that makes me less than, but I'm like, it doesn't make you less than. No. You're Filipino. Right. What are things you can remind us? Like, why is there that thought of right or wrong? Or this is that standard. Can you elaborate? Because I think this is really helpful as I grow older, even now, I don't want my kids to feel less than. I don't think you want your nieces and nephews to feel less no, than. No. I don't want anyone to feel less than. We're Filipino. We're, we're brought together. Why do people think of this right and wrong? Can you give us more thoughts on that? I, I really want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's the idea that there just can't be multiple rights or multiple wrongs. And yeah. I think it can be as simple as that. That I think sometimes yeah. we think that there's only one right and one wrong. Actually, there are multiple rights as well as multiple wrongs. And (laughs) it's kind of what I think the MCU and the future phases and this multiverse (laughs) imply is is, is that there can be multiple ways that Loki is expressed, right? There are multiple ways that Thor can be expressed. But each one is still Loki and each one is still Thor. They just look different in a very particular way 
part of the universe. But you don't see Loki dismissing the others. They're like, oh, yes, you are Loki, aren't you? And can see the through line in all of that. I think the same thing happens. There are different expressions of being Filipino, but one is not necessarily better than the other. And I think we need to get to this idea of making sure that we understand that there are multiple truths or multiple rights and to get away from this binary thinking of only one right and one wrong. If someone says, well, I'm Filipino, and if you don't do everything that I'm doing as Filipino, then you must not be Filipino or you're not Filipino enough. And I think that Uh that's not true. We've talked about this many times, but I think to say it explicitly on this particular episode, there are different ways of being Filipino in the diaspora, and none of it takes away from anybody else's identity for that matter. When I think about this idea that, Mm -hmm. you know, why are some people so singular in this belief that there's only one way to be Filipino, I think sometimes we feel that, Others being right or true takes away from our own identity in some way, shape, or form. And again, I don't think that that's true. Or sometimes we feel that others being right or true may mean that we're wrong. And I think that this Uh is why sometimes people are more apt to tell you that you're not Filipino enough or others are not Filipino enough. And sometimes we feel that others being right or true challenges us to take responsibility And we sometimes end up reframing from blaming others. And so recognizing that multiple truths exist is hard because Mm -hmm. then suddenly it's like, oh, I have to make sure that I don't blame others, that I don't dismiss their identity. Again, that we Mm -hmm. don't blame others for not being Filipino enough. And that doesn't help the community. That doesn't help the collective. That doesn't help no. future generations in a lot of ways. So I don't know if that makes any sense or if you've got any you know, questions that arise from that. No, I just appreciate it. I like hearing it from you. And I know you've said this before. I just, uh, there's so many situations where I run into that, where people would just say, oh, you haven't been to the Philippines yet. I'm like, no, I haven't. The opportunity, and I sort of get cut off. Oh, then you wouldn't know. I'm like, oh, okay. Or And that if, like... So, just yeah, angry, like that just angers me when, when I hear people <laughs> think, oh, if you haven't been to the Philippines, then you're not Filipino. Visiting or going doesn't necessarily make you any less. And in fact, mm. it's again a matter of do you have familiarity with the language? Do you participate in the culture? Mm. And do you promote the culture? And I think if you do all three, that makes you Filipino. It's not whether you visited the Philippines or not, or if you are fluent in Filipino or not, or if you eat rice or not, none of those. Mm. And in fact, you can do different combinations of that, have different multiple truths of that, and still be Filipino. I think different truths also can sometimes activate for other people regret. And when I think about other universes or alternate realities or multiple expressions of being Filipino in the diaspora, it gives me call to mind to that what if series like in the mcu phase four and i think that what if series really illustrates this idea that sometimes we worry about past choices we've made you know and i Mm -hmm. think we can feel all that regret and instead of actually just accepting that we made maybe a choice that wasn't helpful and instead take responsibility for it But what people end up doing is they start blaming others or they start diminishing others so that they feel better Mm -hmm. about themselves. And I think that that's the core to why sometimes we will deny multiple truths or multiple expressions of being Filipino in the diaspora is this idea that I need to make someone else feel bad so I can feel better about myself. 
And Mm -hmm. I don't know that, that we need to do that. I think we just need to accept that multiple truths exist. There are multiple ways of being Filipino and none of that makes it wrong. None of it makes it wrong. And in fact, there are multiple ways to be right. Mm -hmm. This is like a terrible Southwestern Ontario expression. And I don't know if you've ever heard Mm -hmm. it because I know you're from Southwestern Ontario. You may have heard it, (laughs) but there are like 50 ways to skin a cat. (laughs) And I know that that's a terrible expression, but the idea is, is, is that there's not one right way, you know, to be Filipino in the diaspora and that there are multiple ways to do that. And hence, there are people are living their multiple truths or their their truth, perhaps a different version to you or myself. But it doesn't make it any less, and it doesn't make us any less. So I just I'll be honest with you, Kuya. Right now, like my brain's exploding. Like it's so right now in Phase Four, the Spider Man movie with all the three Spider Mans, mm. where they're talking about who they fought, and they're like they're all Spider Man. Oh, I fought an alien. Oh, I fought this guy that was Ronasus. I'm not cool. No, you are cool. Because yeah. they're all like they Spider-Man. Were all cool. he, I know. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, you just made that metaphorically. The three Spider-Mans are all Filipinos. Just yeah. talking about <laughs> we're all still you know, Filipino. I may have done this. I, I you know, I may have shopped at Makati. Oh, but you know what? Right. I make a mean Diniguan. Oh, but you know, I do Mano Bless. I'm gonna teach my kids that. Yeah. And you know, I wear my barong proudly. Like I think I really like how you just really phrased it. And I, I can't stress it enough. I hope you really push it in our fixing of the week. You said these these words many a times, but I find it so poignant when you talk about multiple truths and making this like sort of metaphor with the MCU is pretty nerdy of us but I think it's pretty cool (laughs) but it's true and I think we can all learn something about it that if we can accept all three Spider-Mans you know being present at one moment in time why can't we accept different expressions of people's Filipinex Filipino Filipina identity in the diaspora we don't need to diminish other people's identities so that we feel better about our own all we need to do which leads to our fixing of the week is really accept the notion that there can be multiple truths, multiple expressions of being Filipino, and multiple perspectives that can all be true. So I'm going to leave it at that. We love email, and we'd like to hear what you think. Email us at holohollowpopculture at gmail.com. The Holohollow Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us and please leave a review. You can find us on social media at Twitter. Our handle is at Pop. And we're on Instagram at Culture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chal Turingan, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you soon.